0: I just can't do it. I won't do it.
1: This is Judge Abby Abinanti, a member of the Yurok tribe.
0: This 11-year-old boy had been arrested and charged with some fairly serious crimes for fighting on the schoolyard.
1: She's telling us about a juvenile delinquency case she presided over in San Francisco Superior Court. The boy's father and uncles sat behind him in the courtroom. It was clear to Abby that they were involved and invested in the boy's life. You could see by the anguish on their face. She instructed the lawyers to approach her bench. She asked the prosecutor.
0: And I said, what in God's name do you think you're doing here? Let me just be really perfectly clear with you. If a child isn't old enough or tall enough to ride the teacup rides in Disneyland and doesn't have a weapon, it's not a felony. Step back.
1: Abby refused to hear the case against the 11-year-old boy. The prosecution was shocked.
0: And they were arguing with me, and I said, well, that's what you have appellate courts for, but it's not happening here with me now. The lawyers were a little, eh. I said, well, you know, do whatever
1: you're going to do. But I can't, I'm not going there. Abby didn't think the courts needed to be involved. I said to the boys, stand up, sir. I said, look
0: behind you. You have your father and your uncles, good men who are worried about you. I'm sending you home right now. I'm dismissing this matter, and I never ever want to see you again. And I never saw him again.
1: Working as a California state judge, Abby says she always felt tension between the punitive values of the court and her community-oriented values as a member of the Yurok tribe.
0: We're not a rights-based culture. We're a responsibility-based culture. So given those values, your practices are going to be much different.
1: Abby says in the Yurok community... There is no
0: out of the picture here. You're in the community, you're here together, and our culture is tied to the family staying in certain relationship to one
1: another. And that's important to us. Native people are incarcerated at more than twice the rate of their white counterparts in the United States. That's according to an analysis of 2019 data from the Prison Policy Institute. Social scientists and therapists point to settler colonial violence as one of the root causes for that disparity. The indigenous population of California was decimated with the arrival of colonial settlers during the gold rush of the mid-1800s. California's first governor, Peter Burnett, called for a war of extermination against native people. The introduction of disease, slavery, and state laws that encouraged the killing of indigenous people took native populations, including the Yurok, to the brink of extinction. In 2019, Governor Gavin Newsom acknowledged what happened as genocide. Later, boarding schools forcibly separated families.
0: Living through those instances created behaviors in the people who were primarily there, and then who went on to have children, and then those children had children without really tracking back where did that behavior come from.
1: Abby didn't think the California courts were doing a good job when it came to indigenous defendants, so she left the state court system and founded the Yurok Tribal Court.
0: The values of this court are reflected in returning us to a place where we live our lives according to our values and not other people's values.
1: Today, there are approximately 400 tribal court systems across the United States. These courts are an expression of tribal sovereignty. They aim to practice justice in a more culturally responsive, restorative, and effective manner than the state court system. In this episode, we're exploring the connections between a legacy of family separation and the health of indigenous people.
2: Those that attended boarding schools have over three times higher odds of having cancer than those that did not attend boarding schools.
1: How intergenerational traumas have shaped Iraq communities. We have huge resilience, but we are left
3: trying to parse through so much inequality
1: and marginalization to try and access it and what the tribal court system is doing to support Yurok people to reconnect with their culture and end cycles of trauma.
4: I don't think any human being is disposable. Our system is designed to help you return to the community and be an asset in the community.
1: I'm Dr. Celine Gounder. This is American Diagnosis. Born in 1947, Abby Abinanti grew up on ancestral Yurok lands located near the Klamath River in Northern California.
0: It was a difficult period of time. It was a time when people felt perfectly able to
1: be as racist as they wanted to be. Throughout her life, Abby learned about the devastating impacts of colonialism on her community.
4: We lived here for a very long time in a very peaceful sort of way, and then came the invasion.
1: Abby says the arrival of settlers brought three major events.
4: One was a series of massacres in our area. The second was the movement to indenture slaves, which involved kidnapping young children primarily. And the third was the boarding schools.
1: The forced removal of children from their families and their placement in boarding schools was a significant part of the effort by settler colonialists to eradicate Native people and their cultures.
2: Let's reform them through boarding schools. Let's assimilate them into the population so that they can become good citizens of the United States.
1: This is Ursula Running Bear. She's an assistant professor of public health at the University of North Dakota.
2: My name is Ursula Running Bear. I am Si Lakota, which is also known as the Rosebud Sioux Tribe. What I study is the impacts that boarding schools have had on our physical health as American Indians.
1: Beginning in the mid to late 1800s, the U.S. government operated Indian boarding schools, forcibly removing Native children from their communities.
2: In order to make parents send their children, they actually withheld food rations. There were some parents that did not do it and were arrested.
1: Native children were subject to dangerous conditions
2: in boarding schools. The children that attended had pretty harsh experiences, physical, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, forced assimilation, loss of identity. And exposure to harmful chemicals. Upon entering
1: the schools, children's bodies would be doused in the insecticide DDT.
2: Now, if we look at the research associated with DDT, we find that it is associated with breast cancer, it is associated with mortality. In
1: addition to higher rates of cancers, Native people who are placed in boarding schools also experience...
2: Higher rates of mental health disorders, higher rates of physical health conditions, we see lower life expectancies.
1: Ursula says many boarding school survivors developed coping strategies
2: that became harmful. They might start using drugs, they might start using alcohol, They may not be able to cope with some of their anxiety, their depression. They may have suicidal thoughts, suicidal ideation, suicidal completion. All of these things, I believe, are related to boarding school experiences.
1: She says the impacts of boarding school are felt throughout communities as intergenerational trauma.
2: They continue on, you experience them as an individual, your family experiences them, and then they are reflected in the community by the community's health outcomes.
1: Today, indigenous people on average experience higher rates of substance use than other ethnic groups in the United States. Native children are also four times as likely to be removed from their homes and placed in foster care as white children. In recent years, opioid dependency has increasingly been cited as a reason to remove native children from their families. The cycle of family separation and trauma continues. The legacy of boarding schools touched Abby's life, too.
4: My mom and her sisters, all three of them went to boarding schools, and they never spoke about it. I didn't know about it till I was 18, 19.
1: Even without her family members speaking openly about their time in boarding schools, Abby observed the impacts of those experiences on her mother.
4: Her relationship to my education was certainly impacted. I mean, I was historically pretty bad student. She did not want to go to the schools when I had issues or when teachers were discriminating against me and deal with it.
1: Despite Abby's academic struggles, she completed high school, then attended college and earned a degree in journalism. She wanted to become a reporter, but some members of her community had other plans for her.
0: These three old ladies, Indian ladies, invited me to go to coffee, which I should have known was a setup.
4: They said, oh, why don't you go to law school? And I was like, why would I? And they were like, well, because you're the only one graduating and we need a lawyer more than we need a journalist. And I lost the
1: argument. <laughs> Abby went to law school and in 1974, she became the first native woman to join the California Bar Association.
4: The lesson in that is don't argue with old Iraq ladies because you're never gonna win. <laughs>
1: As a lawyer, Abby realized that her roots in the Yurok community were a strength.
0: When I was practicing law at one point, some other lawyer asked a state court judge, how come you always let her people go without bail? And the judge said, because she always drags them back. And the lawyer said to me outside, how do you do that? I said, well, I mostly represent Yurok's, and Yurok's idea of running away is his grandmother or his auntie's, so it's not that complicated.
1: <laughs> Abby eventually became a California state judge, but over the years, she grew disillusioned with the state courts. When she could, she pushed back, like when she dismissed the case of that 11 year old boy facing felony charges. But ultimately, influencing individual cases didn't get to the root of the issue. Abby wanted a new system, a system rooted in Europe culture that could meet the needs of her community. Abby returned to Klamath and in 1996, helped found the Yurok tribal court. It started small. I think
0: we had two people in the court, me and the clerk. Abby had lofty goals. We can actually do a better job. You know, our approach, our helping the people, and their responsiveness to us is gonna make them more successful.
1: Abby saw the obstacles her community faced, but she also saw that they already had many of the necessary tools to address them. After the break, we'll hear about how Abby threw out the rulebook and set to work building a uniquely Yurok justice system from the ground up. As a tribal court judge, Abby has more freedom to approach cases creatively than she did in the state court system.
0: We wanna be seen as a member of their extended family. What do we do in this circumstance? Here, let me figure it out. If I don't know, I think I can call somebody who might know.
1: Abby says you can see those values in action when a child support case comes before her.
4: In some states, they'll lock up people for not paying their child support.
1: Indigenous people are 50% more likely to experience unemployment than the average American. Abby takes things like this into consideration when she hears a child support case. If a parent doesn't have cash, Abby will find another way they can support their kid.
0: I will go through the steps to make it acceptable to have in-kind support and value that if the parties agree. So if they want wood, if they want regalia, if they want fish... If they want babysitting, if you both agree that's what you want, then this court's going to order it as your child support. So we
1: change how you solve the problem, but the problem is solved. Abby says that in-kind child support keeps people involved. This is one aspect of the tribal court's work to keep communities together in the face of historical efforts to separate Native families.
3: We have been in the targets, in the crosshairs of the settler colonial project since they came here. My name is Dr. Blythe George, I'm an assistant professor of
1: sociology at UC Merced. I'm a member of the Yurok tribe. Blythe works with the Yurok tribal court. She gathers data on its programs and studies the impacts of the criminal justice system on native communities.
3: There was a time in history where the federal
1: and state governments were removing Indian children for the purpose of assimilation. During the boarding school era and into the 1970s, over a quarter of all Native children were removed from their families. The vast majority were placed away from their tribes. That changed in 1978. That's when the Indian Child Welfare Act was passed. The law granted Indigenous families and tribal governments more legal power to manage custody cases and keep families together.
3: And so Indian children have certain protections now that make sure that that is not the case. Increasingly, if their cases can be dealt with within the tribe's foster care system
1: or through the tribal court, we are extending those opportunities. The law has made strides to keep Native kids in their communities, but it's not perfect. Indigenous kids are still four times as likely to be removed and placed in foster care as white children. Judge Abbey is working to change that.
0: It's still a huge issue, frankly. We're probably going to be one of the first major tribal courts to transfer kids back from the state court into our court. But I have 200 kids in care and I wanna I want to move them back.
1: One of the driving issues is substance use. Blythe has seen the impact firsthand. You can throw a rock in any direction in my family tree and you're
3: more likely to find someone who's struggled with some kind of substance use disorder.
1: Yurok tribal land overlaps with Humboldt County where opioids are a problem. There are three times as many fatal drug overdoses there as in other California counties. The Yurok wanted to create a program that could help their citizens access treatment for substance use disorders without going to prison. They call it a wellness court. Wellness court
3: is extended to those who are suffering with substance use issues and have committed a crime. And for our tribal people, we did see that real strong overlap between drug crimes, you know, right alongside other crimes. So we know that the drug is a contributing factor.
1: Similar to the higher rates of incarceration we talked about earlier, many scholars attribute substance use to colonial violence experienced by indigenous people. The wellness court aims to meet the community and cultural needs of these nonviolent offenders and break intergenerational cycles of trauma.
4: How are we gonna do this? What's gonna work for you? What kind of support do you need? How are we gonna make this better for you and for your kids and your family?
1: The court takes a community approach to drug dependency. Teams of social workers, mental health providers, and community leaders all work together.
3: So the wellness court is one arm of this larger infrastructure to try and reclaim our people who are involved with the criminal justice system to walk with them and allow them to have access to resources that are culturally appropriate.
1: This includes everything from providing suboxone to lessen withdrawal symptoms, to helping people find a job and retain custody of their children. The program is intensive. It requires a lot of resources, but Blythe says the effort is worth it.
3: We only have so many Iraqs. The health in each and every person matters to the health and well-being of our tribe.
1: That commitment to the community could be seen in the tribe's domestic violence court. One of the first things people have to do is have a conversation with their elders to identify how their families had experienced violence.
0: And you need to know where it came from so you understand yourselves, because you need to say to yourselves, I'm going to be the last one. We're done now. We're done with that.
1: Abby was happy with the results, but not everything was going smoothly. Some of the Yurok weren't completing the assignments, And they ended up in jail.
0: I said, I'm going to spend the weekend trying to figure this out.
1: In the state court system, sending someone to jail may have been the end of a judge's involvement. But for Abby, having members of her community in jail is not a solution. It's a problem to solve.
0: I looked at all the data and everything. And finally, on Sunday afternoon, I called my probation officer and I said, go up there and ask those knuckleheads if they can read and write. And she said, what do you mean? I said, I think that's why they're not doing their homework because they can't read and write, and they'd rather go to jail than tell me.
1: Abby's relationships in the community were an asset. I could go, wait a second,
0: I know these guys. And so she went up there and she called me from the jail and she said, you're right, that's what happened. They never went far enough in school to learn and they don't want to say. And I said, well, lovely, you know, that's made me mad enough to want to go up there and smack them and then I could be in jail with them and I could (sighs) give them oral lessons.
1: Once Abby identified the problem, she was able to solve it. And we changed
0: it so that we could, they can all work their phones, which obviously I can't work, which we don't need to go into. But we taught them how to dictate. And then we read them stuff so that they could do their lessons.
1: State leaders are taking notice of the tribal court's approach. In May of 2022, California Governor Gavin Newsom proposed investing $15 million in a tribally controlled Yurok Wellness Center. It would provide culturally informed substance and mental health care in the region.
0: We are the better able to do that. And we're also better able to show other people, look, you could do this in your community and maybe you want to, because it really works. It's different and it works. And when somebody slips, they'll often come back to me and tell me, I have a problem now again. Can I come back for a while? Sure. Or, you know, I'll see him in the community because I'm out and about.
1: One day, when Abby was out for a walk, she saw a young man who had missed his court appearance.
4: He had not come to court, and we had issued a requirement that he come, and I saw him on the street. So I went up to him, and I just said, get
1: it, you know, why didn't you come to court? In the state court, failing to show up could result in punishment as serious as jail time. In the Yurok tribal court system... You have to answer to Judge Abby.
4: And he started to turn around, I like slapped him on the shoulder and I said, Oh, I probably shouldn't slap you like that. I said, But you're probably used to getting hit by old Iraq ladies. And he just busted out laughing. And he said, Yeah, my gran has a cane. I said, Oh, God, now there's a law that really needs to be passed because my old gran had a cane, too. And I said, I don't think they even need them. They just use them to whack us with.
1: Abby doesn't have a cane, but she carries her sense of humor, her Yurok values, and her community connections to her work as a judge.
4: And so then we turn around and walk back to the (laughs) courthouse. I see the court as a member of the community, not somebody overlooking the community. What can we do to help you? Because there's very few human beings who make it through life without a need for help.
1: This season of American Diagnosis is a co production of Kaiser Health News and Just Human Productions. Additional support provided by the Burroughs Welcome Fund and Open Society Foundations. This episode of American Diagnosis was produced by Zach Dyer, Taylor Cook, and me. It was engineered by Amita Ganatra. Special thanks to Laura Woods and Lori Nesbitt. Our editorial advisory board includes Jordan Bennett Begay, Alistair Bitsoy, and Brian Pollard. Tanya English is our managing editor. Tempest does original illustrations for each of our episodes. We're powered and distributed by Simplecast. Our theme music is by Alan Vest, additional music from the Blue Dot Sessions. If you enjoy the show, please tell a friend about it today. And if you haven't already done so, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps more people find out about the show. Follow Just Human Productions on Twitter and Instagram to learn more about the characters and big ideas you hear on the podcast. And follow Kaiser Health News on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Subscribe to our newsletters at khn.org so you never miss what's new and important in American health care, health policy, and public health news. I'm Dr. Celine Gounder. Thanks for listening to American Diagnosis.